0: Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on The Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Yeah. Yeah, That's what this campaign is about. We are in week five of breakthrough because as a church, we want God to do something in a way that we can break through the distance between the people of God and the people who need God. We wanna be a missional church. And so everything about this campaign is how do we maximize this campus and mobilize our people to go on mission with God together as we seek to see a spiritual breakthrough in our community. I wanna welcome you this morning. It's great to see everybody. It's looking really full for first service. I won't ask how many of you thought you were coming to second service. You didn't set your clocks. Uh, with that but we're glad to have you here glad for those who are in the classic service those of you who are watching online as I said we are in week five of of a breakthrough campaign if this is your first week don't worry Uh, you can catch up I'd encourage everybody make sure you get your breakthrough guide that we're working through this together as life groups and and working through each of the exercises in it and as we do it you know we come to this point this week where I wanna talk to you about, for us to see breakthrough is gonna require something that you see all throughout scripture. And when I say breakthrough, I'm not just talking about our campaign or what we wanna do. One of the things we've been praying through as elders, there's kind of three prayers that we've had. One is a missional breakthrough that we just talked about. How do we reach our community? And that involves our campuses and all all that's going on with it. How do we as well experience spiritual breakthrough? Many of you are praying for that in your life. There's something you've asked God for. Personal breakthrough. You know, we had everybody turn in prayer requests the first week. And we've been praying through those as leaders and as a staff. And when I look through those requests over and over again and keep praying through them and and see the actual things that you're up against, the things that you're praying for, the ways you want God to show up, the ways you need him to show up. We're praying for a breakthrough in that. In each of those categories this week, I, I just want to focus because I think if you look in scripture, God brings his people over and over again to these places where they have to have him show up. And he does it to stretch our faith. In fact, this week, we just want to live in, in the theme of how do we experience breakthrough? You only experience it through faith. In fact, if you got your notes, you can see breakthrough always requires faith where I'm trusting God for what I cannot see. Where God brings you to that place that you've got to trust him for what you can't see. And as you look at that, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 11, uh, because in it, the writer of Hebrews is just walking through real stories of people who God did this all throughout scripture. He's kind of summarizing the stories of the Bible because he's summarizing this theme of the Bible that over and over again, God calls you to a place that you have to step out by faith. You have to trust him even when you can't see it. In fact, in Hebrews 11, one, he defines it. He says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the conviction. This word here is deeper than kind of mental assent. It's deeper than, oh yeah, kind of, yeah, I agree with that. I believe that. It's actually something I'm willing to build my life on. Am I willing to build my life on something I can't see? For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. The very first breakthrough in all of history creation. You're talking about breakthrough, God speaks and he puts in motion the world that we see. And by faith, we believe that. We've built our life on it. We trust him with that. Faith is that place where, where I've got to trust these things that I can't see, but I'm willing to build my life on. That's why I think the second greatest breakthrough that you see, creation's that first one, the redemption, resurrection of Jesus Christ was another incredible breakthrough. I mean, and we, who here we are 2,000 years later, we actually believe it happened. We trust him for it. And we have to believe that by faith. Now, the disciples didn't have to have faith that Jesus rose from the dead, they had sight. In fact, he had 500 witnesses who saw his body. Thomas came and touched his hands. Peter and all, they interact with him. They had food with him. He did that because he, he said to them, you get to believe because you're seeing it. God knew that we needed eyewitnesses who could hand down a historical record that we could then put faith in it. So when we talk about faith, when we talk about all these things, guys, we're not talking about a blind faith. We're not talking about the fact that we're totally unreasonable. It's a reasonable faith, but it's still faith. In fact, the writer of Hebrews goes on and says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. This is the part, man, that stands out to me. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm never gonna reach that point that I'm living the kind of life that we have the relationship. Well, let's have faith in him. He goes, for whoever would draw near to God, must believe he exists. You have to believe in him to begin with. And then the second line, and that he actually rewards those who seek him. Uh, Some of you struggle with the first line. You go, can I really believe that God exists? Some of you struggle with this second line though. There may be a God, but you don't believe that if you got closer to him, he actually has a relationship for your good. You think God's going to hold you back from something, the life that you want to live. Or you think that you've done things that if you got closer to God, he would judge you. He can't wait to smite you for the things you've done wrong. A writer of Hebrews says it's, it's actually the opposite of that. That you actually believe he exists and you believe that he wants to reward you. He wants to give you the best life both here in eternity because you've put your faith in him and you've trusted him. Now, for many of us here, you go, yeah, Tim, absolutely. I have put my faith in him. And even when we use that term faith, we almost go back to that point in life. Oh, yeah, I remember when I put my faith. If you read scripture, though, what does Paul say? Paul says this is actually an ongoing thing. We walk by faith, not by sight. That word walk means your daily life. In other words, God wants you to live in a way, if I want to please him, I want to experience him, I want to experience the life he rewards the most, every day I'm supposed to step out in a way that I'm trusting by faith what God's called me to do, not necessarily what I can see. And I'll just confess to you guys, I mean, over the last few years, this is one of the themes that God just keeps bringing up in my personal life. Because it dawned on me, I have walked with Jesus for decades now. I have studied the Bible cover to cover. I I know a lot of things theologically in that. And so it's easy for me to even build a biblical life based on what I can strictly see and make my next step based on what Tim can see and what Tim can do and what Tim can accomplish. And, and you look at it and you go, it's, I'm not saying it's ungodly. I'm not saying it's sinful. It's just not a life of faith, of, of stepping out with it. You know, Marvin Rickard, who was the church or the pastor here at Los Gatos Christian pastor when this church moved to this campus and, and all of that faith journey with it, he used to have a, a saying on his desk that was printed out and he put it right there on his desk. It said, attempt something so impossible that unless God is in it, it is doomed to failure. And, and you look at that and I like, I love sayings like that. Do you really like living that way? In fact, Marvin, as he confessed, his book, he wrote about it. There were many days he covered up the saying. It's like, I don't want that in my face. It's just easier for me to live by sight. And and yet, as you look through Hebrews 11, you see all these stories. If you talk to believers and maybe in your own life, God is so good to us. There's those times in life where he brings you to that place where you just can't see. And he says, will you trust me? Will you step out? That's part of what we're in with this campaign. We as an elder boy, we as leaders, we've been praying. God, we feel called to this, but this is so beyond us. And, And over and over again, as we pray, as the prayer teams, as different people have come together, he's calling us to that place where we go, okay, what does it look like to step out by faith? See, that's the key part that I love about this chapter. Breakthrough always requires an actual step of faith. I love preaching on faith. I love talking about faith. I love examining faith. But faith actually means, oh, are you going to take a step? And if you read through Hebrews 11, he just goes through stories of people that had to take real steps that God called him out in radical ways. The main person he covers in the chapter is the man called the father of faith, Abram, who became Abraham. And he says in verse eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God." He says, Abraham by faith, his first faith step was leaving his home. If you know the history of it, Abram lived in the city of Ur. Ur was one of the major capitals of the world. Ur was a great city. Back in that time, they didn't have nations as much. They were city-states. And so your city was your protection. You had no, once you left your city, there was nobody to look out for you. There's there's no traveling. If you traveled afar, you're now vulnerable to anybody who came along. Whoever's more powerful than you can take whatever they want from you. And Abram, here he is in Ur, he's living well. And God says, hey, Abram, I got something greater for you. I want to give you this land of promise. But here's what it takes. Will you trust me enough to step out? Will you leave the security of this city, of your friends, your neighbors, everything with you, your family, and just come follow me for the rest of your life. The line always, he went where he was going, living in a tent. And not just him, it points out Isaac and Jacob. It was this lifestyle for a few generations. You know, the thing about living in a tent, you have tent pegs. You know, you remember you pop the tent up and you put those pegs in and that's what gives you stability. You don't have a tent foundation. You don't pour a slab. You don't have a structure you're building on. You have pegs that you put into the ground. You know why you have that? because you can pull up tent pegs and keep moving when you need to. And, and as much as I admire Abraham, I also admire Sarah, just as a wife. Hey, you're gonna leave the security of her. You're gonna leave family. You're gonna leave everything you've known. Oh, and by the way, you get to live in a tent for the rest of your life. Woohoo! what women here? You're signing up for that one, right? <laughs> yeah, you just go, man, the willingness to live that way. I had somebody ask me once, years ago, when Lee and I were young. He just said, how, how deep are your tent pegs? And here was his question, are, are you drilling life so deep that God can never move you, can never ask you to step out? See, faith is a step. And and it requires us to step in ways that are uncomfortable, step in ways that you can't always see. In fact, if, if you read through the chapter, it's just story after story where God brings people like that. He brings Abram to that place where, are you gonna step out and go into the land of promise? And trust me, and everywhere he goes, God says, I've given you all this. Now here's the problem, nobody else there knew it. Only Abraham. In fact, if you read through his story, The first plot of ground in the land of promise that he actually purchased and owns was the land that he bought to bury his wife, Sarah, when she died. She never got to see a title, a deed, on any of that land God had given. But they trusted God anyway. A look at Moses, who's in this chapter, who lived in one of the richest family, maybe the richest family on the face of the earth. Uh, you know, if you, you had a Fortune 500 list, you had the Forbes list of the richest people back then, uh, Moses' family, Pharaoh's family is probably at the top. And he chooses to leave that because he feels God's called him to lead these slaves out of Egypt. And their first stop after they get out of Egypt is this huge massive sea in front of them and an army behind them. You talk about breakthrough. We're not even gonna get through unless God shows up. But he trusted God for the impossible because it had to be a God thing. I look at Gideon who's, who's going up against an army of over 100,000 and God says, yeah, your army is too, too big. Whittle it down, whittle it down, whittle it down until he ends up with 300 people with him. And you go, God, this is impossible unless God shows up. David who steps forward as a teenager and in front of him is the greatest soldier on the planet at the time. It's massive, massive. Soldier Goliath, and you're going to kill him with a rock and a sling? It's impossible, unless God shows up. See, I I love these stories. I love teaching them. I love reading them. I love telling my kids them. Oh, I don't like living them. <laughs> like of God, why why do you you bring me to these places and? You want me to trust you so much that even if I can't see it and I can't control it, I still got to trust you to take a step. And I think one of the places we wrestle with this the most is when it comes to our finances. Because it's one of the most tangible areas of I can see this and, and I can hold on to this and find security in this. And God, can I trust you with this? Can I believe you no matter what you say? Can I trust you in that way? I think that's why we wrestle with it. I think that's why Jesus talks about it so much. I think that's why he came down to it. He goes, you're going to trust. You you either, God or money ultimately is your source of security. He was so direct about that. Because it's just, it's one of the easiest things I know I personally can hold on to and find security in. And, And learning to trust God, even if he's given it to me, even if I'm to use it, but truly trusting him in that. You know, I've had moments in life where, where God's called us as a family to step out in faith and personally step out in faith. I remember one time when I was in college, um, I, I was working and I had to put myself through college. I didn't have money for it. So every summer was vital. I would work construction. I worked for a construction company. We poured concrete. It would be long hours, but I loved overtime because that was time and a half and it would be enough money for tuition in the fall. And And going into that summer, that spring, I was really plugged in in our college ministry. And our college pastor told me, he said, hey, we're going on a mission trip to Greece this summer. We're going to go work at this Bible Institute. We're going to do projects there. It's going to be about three weeks long, about a month with travel. And you're going. And I'm like, I'm not going. Because I had done the math. I've I've got three and a half months and a month of tuition. I will not have tuition in the fall. And I kept telling God, I can't go. You got to get somebody else to go. This, this And every time I would pray about it, God would just say, trust me, trust me, trust me. And I went on the trip and I came back and I, I worked the rest of the summer and I saved up the amount. And I still remember I was going to school to register for my classes and going through the enough and I didn't have enough money. And I'm going through the line and I register and that. And the last part was the financial part where you either paid or then you could Get, try to get a loan. And so I'm sitting there working out, okay, I'll have to take out a loan for this amount to cover this. And right when I'm walking toward the financial aid part of it, the admissions counselor comes running over. To me. She goes, I've been looking for you. She said, hey, there's this group that they rotate among about 10 colleges here in West Tennessee. And they give a scholarship. It's the Huguenot Society of West Tennessee. I was like, I didn't know Huguenots still existed. And they said, we got the scholarship this year and we wanna give it to you. And then I looked at it. It was the amount I was short. I was like, oh, man, God, you can show up in real ways. And I went to a banquet and there was a bunch of elderly people. And I was like, thank you, Huguenots. I don't know what you do, but thank you, you know, with that. Now, I've I've had other times in my life. I remember when we were in seminary and we were short and I didn't, we didn't have enough money and and we had these mailboxes and I would go to my mailbox every day because I kept thinking, man, God, you're going to show up there. You're going to show up. And and one day right next to the mailbox was this sign. If you wanted to get an extra job cleaning pools, you could do it. And I kept ignoring the sign because I go, God's going to show up in that box. And finally one day that that we just didn't have enough money. And and I remember praying, I was like, Lord, where are the Huguenots when I need them? And he's like, this is how I've provided now. You can do it to this work, but this is me leading you at this juncture. Here's my point, In, in different junctures, God leads, sometimes in the most miraculous ways. This church would not be on this campus apart from God leading in that way. You know, Mar- Marvin talks about the fact that some of you, especially in classic, you were a part of this journey. This church wasn't on this campus, it was over on Dave's Avenue. And they, they had outgrown the, the campus, there was nothing they could do, they were stuck in it. He was kind of torn, what are we? you calling us to do? And then they discovered that Western Microwave, this, these buildings had all been part of that, that it was for sale. And they came and it was 1.55 million, 1,550,000. And as they looked at it, they thought, okay, if we sell what we have, and they asked everyone to give sacrificially, they were able to raise 850,000. They were 700,000 short. And so they just kept praying. And for 18 months they were praying. And one of the elders went all over the country, went to Canada, went, anybody that would loan the church the 700,000. And as Marvin talks about it during that whole time, they were thankful they had the time nobody else wanted the campus until the Friday afternoon came when they got a call from the real estate agent. And they said, we have a cash offer in hand for this campus for more than you guys are even trying to raise. And we're gonna sell it today. Marvin asked him, he said, would you just give us till Monday morning? That's all I'm asking is till Monday morning. And they said, all right, we'll give you till Monday. I don't know what you're going to do. They called the last few banks that Friday afternoon that were even considering it. And they all turned them down. On Saturday morning, Marvin was up praying. He called there several elders who were over at a conference at Mount Hermon. He called them, he said, you guys pray. God's got to do something. He went to call someone else, and as he was picking up the phone, somebody had already called him, and he said, "Hello." And this gentleman said, "You don't know me. My name's Mr. Coleman. I've heard you need to borrow some money. Tell me why." And over the next 30 minutes, he explained about the church. He said, "We've got till Monday." Mr. Coleman said, I'm visiting California. I'm down in Southern California, visiting family. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get on a plane, bring me your paperwork, bring me everything. I want to review it myself. I'll meet you at this small airport right outside of LA. And uh, as we discuss it there, we can decide. And then he gave him the phone number. He said, when you land, call this number and then I'll come. Marvin called Chairman of the elders, he grabbed the paper, they jumped on a plane, they went down, they came to the airport and they're looking around and there's no Mr. Coleman. They go to call Mr. Coleman, this is back with payphones. Some of you look it up for those of you have general. They go to call him and the numbers disconnected. He had written down the wrong number. They tried looking up all the Coleman's in Los Angeles. You know how many that was? (laughs) They started doing permutations of the number itself. Finally, the chairman said, all right, let's look at area codes within 40 minutes because that's how long he was gonna drive to get here. And they looked at the area code and they said, okay, that would match. Let's see if we just did variations of these three numbers. And they made six calls on the sixth call. They said, is a Mr. Coleman there? And his assistant said, he, he's not here right now but he's expecting your call. He he drove over with one hour before they have to get on a plane to come back here and sat down and they showed him the paperwork and he listened to it. And he said, here's what I want you to do on Monday morning. Go to my office in Hayward and there'll be everything you need there to secure this loan. At the, not just 11th hour, the 12th hour. God showed up. These amazing ways when God calls us to step out by faith that he shows up in it. But if you're gonna experience that, and this is what I would just challenge you, breakthrough requires feeding your faith, not your fears. Breakthrough requires feeding, you're feeding one or the other. That's why in scripture, you see these two themes over and over again. There's the theme of faith. Are you walking by faith? Here's people who stepped out by faith. There's also the theme of fear. Do not fear. It's one of the most commanded commands in scripture is don't fear because God knows that we struggle with that. And so you've got to ask yourself, are you feeding your faith? Here's how you feed your faith. Listening to God's truth and learning to hear his voice in your life. Listening to God's truth, listening to his word. That's why we tell you in the venture way, the seven practices of following Jesus, the first and most important practice is engaging God every day. Learning to engage him in his word, reading it every day and learning through prayer, how he's applying his word, how he's speaking into your life, how he's leading you. You've got to learn to feed in that way. That's why Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That's why you're in in his word. I'm acknowledging this is from you, God. And I actually believe it's your truth. And I acknowledge you enough that I'm engaging it every day. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make straight your path. He'll direct you in life but it takes that faith, it takes feeding that faith in the process. Now you're either doing that every day or you're feeding your fear. You're listening to the enemy's lies. And the core of the enemy, his number one tactic is lying. It's what he's always done. It's always taking a little bit of truth and twisting. That's why Jesus, when he described the the enemies that came up against him, he said, "You're, you're of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he's a liar and the father of lies. He's the father of lies, but he's also an angel of light. So he's brilliant and making lies look like truth and peppering us with them all the time. And a lot of you, the reason that you struggle with ever stepping out by faith is you're always feeding your fear. Instead of feeding it with truth, instead of listening to truth, instead of investing in that, you listen to those lies. Some of them, they've gotten so mixed in with your thoughts, you've had them your whole life. Let me give you an example of some of the lies. If I can't see it, I can't believe it. Some of you are stuck right there. If I can't see it, I don't even believe it. I won't step out. Some of you, that's why you haven't even begun a faith journey with Jesus. Because you just told yourself, "I, I can't see it. I don't believe it. I need more evidence. Let me reverse it. Maybe you have some evidence. How's life working for you? What's the evidence of that? Is there a part of you that says this is not working? And I promise you, no matter where you step, it's gonna require faith. What would it look like to believe his truth about you? instead of making this a non-starter. For some of you, it's this one. This won't work, this won't work. Before you ever even begin, this marriage can't be saved. It won't work. Oh, I know y'all say counseling, that God can No, it won't work. And you just stay there. Some of you have convinced yourself, I'm gonna stay addicted. I'll never break this. I'll never break this stronghold. I'll never break that. Because you've got an enemy who as soon as you start to take a step, he's telling you, yeah, that won't work. Don't trust it. Don't set yourself up. For some of us, and this is a big one that I I get caught up in, it's all on me. It's all on me, I've gotta do it. I've gotta carry it. I mean, going into this campaign, I can't tell you, I'll wake up in the night and there's times I'm like, okay, God. And then every so often God breaks through my lies and fears And he says, seriously, Tim, it's on you? You think you can do this? Won't you give it to me? Some of you, you stay afraid all the time because you think your kids are all on you. And every choice they're going to make in life, oh, it's on me, I got to fix it. And that just keeps you fearful and worried all the time some of you when when you think about a next step it it, when it's all on you it's got to be a life you can control and boy that can wear you out my security is based on my resources oh man I can do this as well where I feel secure based on what I have And so I've got my plan and all of it with it. And and as I say that you go, well, Tim, is it wrong to have a plan? Is it wrong, especially financially? Of course you're supposed to have a plan. In fact, one of the things I love in this church, we have such godly financial planners who come here and they work with people every day to have a plan so they can honor God with those resources. And I would encourage you, if you want one to talk to, let me know, we have so many here that they've made that their life work because they want people to be free in these areas. That's why they're doing it. And you would do well to listen to them. But just do this when you're planning, plan like God's gonna actually be there too. And at the end of the day, your security's not the resources, it's him. For some of you, here's the lie that you hear over and over. It's hopeless for me. Yeah, Tim, this may be true for other people. Yeah, Tim, God can work in other people's life. Yeah, Tim, God wants to reward other people. But you have so convinced yourself that you're kind of outside of God's favor, what God can do, that you think it's hopeless for you. And, And part of what breaks my heart, we have a whole generation of young people that the enemy keeps bombarding that lie and the levels of hopelessness. You know, one of my favorite things in this whole series, we've been hearing these breakthrough stories. Uh, I, I want you to hear one of my favorites because it's, uh, it's one of my favorite people. It's Alicia Gibson. You see her on the stage here a lot. She's over all of our connection ministry and uh, the joy of working with her, but hearing how God broke through in her life. Let's watch this together.
1: I think the biggest example of breakthrough in my life was early on in my mental health journey and coming to the Lord. There was a moment when I was 17 um, that was kind of the turning point for my whole story and my faith in general. I'd been in this place of um, just really deep depression. I was dealing with like uh, suicidal ideation and self-harm and all of this kind of stuff, and really didn't feel like God saw me in that place. It was Christmas morning and I was so depressed that I could not sit up. So I'm just like laying in my bed. And I turned on the radio and there was a pastor who was talking about Luke 1. Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, like has this prophecy that he speaks over his son as the one who's gonna come before Jesus and kind of prepare the way for Jesus. And I had never heard the passage of Luke 1, 78 through 79 before. But as I heard it, it was like, something just clicked and the passage says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to bring light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. And that was the moment that I was like, oh, like, Jesus came for the darkness of the world, but He also came for the darkness that I'm sitting in right now. And that light is for me. It didn't fix anything. Like I was still dealing, I still dealt with, I still deal with mental health struggles today, but it changed my understanding of Jesus didn't just come to save me from my sin. He came to save me from my suffering as well. Venture has very much been our family. I was 20 when I moved out, recently married, had no idea what I was doing in life, totally new to the Bay Area, and the community at Venture has just really been our people um, since then. I'm especially excited about just the Young Women adventure, 20s and 30s Women adventure. This is a really important time, even in the Bay Area, for women our age and in our different spheres of life that we're in, to really have a solid understanding of what we believe about God, of our knowledge of the Bible. And so any opportunity to be equipping, we have so many hungry people, like people who really wanna know the Word, who really wanna know uh, the truth. And it's fun to, be able to be a resource to hopefully feed those people. I think the connection with God and money was not something I'd really thought too much about as a kid. I'd been in church and I'd heard about tithing plenty. Being in Southern Baptist churches, inevitably you do hear about tithing. They're not scared to talk about that. But I don't think I understood the heart behind it. It was more of the religious kind of, this is just something you do. My family struggled financially a lot as I was growing up. and. The church community that we were a part of, especially when I was in like late middle school, early high school, was one of the big things that got us through. So our small group—they literally like paid our heating bill at certain points in time. They would show up with groceries and like fill up our garage. They were like a big piece that kept us going, um, and I think that shifted it for me. And at that point, it wasn't about like the tithing piece; it was about the generosity piece and kind of what acts the church of acts does where they give what they have in order to help those who don't have. And so I kind of was on the receiving end of that growing up more than anything. And that shaped my understanding, I think, of giving. When Shep and I were early on in our marriage, I think we'd been married for maybe like a year or something. We were in like a little tiny studio apartment and doing the whole you know, young, young married kids thing. We're like hanging in, but we weren't feeling super comfortable or anything. And we'd already been through kind of a difficult Both of our cars had broken down at the same time that I'd left a job, and it was just this whole thing. And we'd recovered, and we're finally feeling like, okay, we're we're kind of back on track. Things are okay. And I went to Bible study. She's kind of talking about those people who are wealthy. Just kind of growing up the way I did, I automatically disqualified myself. I'm like, well, this doesn't apply to me. And then she stopped, and she was like, now if any of you drove a car here today, you're in this category of wealthy. And I was like oh shoot, and I guess I hadn't really thought about even being in a little studio apartment, even having a car that was the same car I've driven since high school. Those put me in like still the way wealthy compared to so much of the world. And so I was very convicted by that and the fact that I had been living with kind of a victim mentality for so long. Pretty quickly after that, I got a bonus from my job that I was not expecting. Automatically, my first thought was, okay, well we got out of this kind of rough, patch financially, and now this is something that we can kind of just like store away and keep for the next time something goes wrong. I felt with all of those things that God was like, no, actually I, I want you to give all of it away. and. We argued about it, meeting God for a while. I just felt, in some ways it felt foolish, and in some ways it just felt like kind of the sacrifice of comfort and the sacrifice of self-reliance in a lot of ways, because I can rely on myself if I keep this little bonus and things go wrong. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was supposed to, to give it, so we ended up giving the whole bonus. It was scary, but also I kind of felt like, okay, good, God's gonna leave me alone about it now. <laughs> um, I honestly felt a lot of peace about it. It felt more meaningful than it would have, I think if it had just gone into the savings account. And that was, you know, about 8 years ago, and I haven't I haven't needed that little bonus to come back, you know. Um God's continued to provide in other ways. There was like a deeper sense of peace and meaning, I think, which is the main thing that I got from it. Even just the idea of whatever I was giving was going towards something that was bigger than just me i think it's easy to get in a headspace where we don't even realize that we're making these things about us and so sometimes even just the sacrifice of giving and i think the sacrifice of giving away the bonus was kind of like forced me to take my eyes off of myself and look around me and look at what what other things might god be wanting to do with the resources that he's giving me. The scene from Indiana Jones, when he's gotta like walk out on the invisible bridge, he can't see the bridge, he's just gotta know it's there. And so he kinda takes the first step and then his foot lands on something that he couldn't see. I think that's probably the best way to describe it because you really aren't stepping onto something that you can see. But I do think that any time that I have stepped out and chosen to be obedient, there is a depth of growth that has come. Partially from trust, but also from kind of the maturity that comes with just choosing to do what God asks you to do. I'm Alicia Gibson, and I want to see breakthrough for the women at Venture.
0: Yeah, isn't that awesome to hear her story? I I love her journey of how God broke through in a time in her life she desperately needed, and she kept walking by faith in that. So how do we do that? Let me close out with just a few points. Cause again, this is one of those topics I love preaching about. It's uh, how do you have a Monday morning step of faith? And, and the key on it is breakthrough requires living forward, not backward. As, as Alicia said, man, she realized she was living in a victim mentality. There's many of us that that we're so fixated on the past, but breakthrough, if you're gonna experience faith, you have to kind of lean in with it. I, I put it this way, faith is not the hokey pokey, but a journey with a lot of steps. A lot of us like a hokey pokey faith. And here's what I mean. You know the hokey pokey, put your right foot in, but then what do you do? You pull your right foot right back out again, don't you? And then you put your right foot in, you shake it all about. A lot of times I think in church, man, we're having a sermon like this and it's, oh man, we got to step out by faith. And all of us on Sunday morning in church, we go, oh yeah, taking a step of faith. And then we go get in our car and we take it right back out again. And we go tomorrow morning and we come up against and the lies start bombarding. And we can do a lot of this. In and out. If you read the stories in Hebrews 11, God didn't call them to One step, it was a lifetime, it's a journey. Some verses God's always used in my life about Abraham you know, he left and, and he and Sarah lived that way. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. They never got all the land that was promised to them, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth for people who speak thus, make it clear they're seeking a homeland. They were seeking something more than land here. If they had been thinking about the land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God and he has prepared for them a city. God used these verses in my life. When Lee and I, early in our marriage, we moved to Bangkok. We were there for a couple of years. And if you've ever lived overseas, if ever God's called you to that, you know, you kind of show up there and it's awesome and everything's cool for a few months. And then you kind of look up one day and you go, oh, I miss home. I miss people. I miss how they did life. That's why I appreciate so many of you who you've moved here from your home country for different reasons. And you live in that all the time. Whether it's a move, whether it's a step out financially, whether it's a step of faith to restore a relationship or a marriage, there comes a time where you look up and you go, it would be so easy just to go back. But God says the mentality of these people, they're looking for something more than just the tangible here. And I think that's one of the things that God just reminded me in Bangkok one day. If you'll learn just to seek me, There'll be a part of life that maybe you'll never feel like you're home because I'm still preparing your home. But why don't you trust me on the journey? See, to do that, the hardest step of faith, I think, is often the second step because that's the all-in moment. It's not just the, oh, yeah, I'll do that, God. It's that second step when you go, I actually did it. actually cross that line and I go all in. As a a church, we're in that place, man, all of us were praying about what God, what are you calling us to commit together? I I had this exact sensation. If you look on page 76, the commitment card, next week will be commitment Sunday. We're gonna step together and don't miss it. Some of you right now go, oh, okay, don't do that. This is gonna be one of the most special weeks in the history of our church. I can promise you that right now, but it'll involve faith steps of not just going, oh, I'm thinking about that. I'll actually go, yeah, I'll commit to that. For some of you right now, you've talked about counseling as a couple. Why don't you go ahead and commit and go? Give God a chance with your marriage. For some of you, God's calling you to step out and restore a relationship. Some of you, God's calling you to step out and maybe take a job or go into something or go serve some. I don't know where he's got you, but don't, don't keep doing this. You don't get anywhere. Trust him enough to take that step. And trust when you do. Here's just the final point I'd say. Breakthrough requires resting in the security of what God has done to have the courage to do what he's calling you to do. See, the reason we can come to these places and we can't see, but we still trust God with it is because we see what he's already done in our lives. Man, he got you this far. He saved you. Sometimes it's just good to rehearse. Oh yeah, God, you showed up there. God, you did this. God, you are faithful. Will you give me the courage to trust what you have done? That's why I love the words of Jesus in Matthew six. He says, why are you so worried about everything? He says, if I take care of the flowers and I take care of the birds, don't you think I got you too? Don't you think you can trust me too? So instead of feeding those fears all the time, why don't you just seek my kingdom? Why don't you look for a city and a home that only I can prepare? Why don't you trust me on the journey that every time I bring you to one of these junctures, because he's gonna bring you to it over and over again, because he wants your faith to grow. Every time he brings you to it, don't sit there and dance with it. Step and trust and believe he's got you. He's got you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us enough that you don't let us just settle into life the way that we are so prone to do, that you love us enough that you wanna stretch us and you bring us to those places where we have to trust you, where we have to step out and we have nobody else but you. Lord, all throughout this room, In the classic service, people watching this online, there are people that you've called them to take a faith step. I don't know what it is, but you do. For some, it's a faith step of a relationship with you. I pray that right now they would trust you and believe. For some, it's a faith step of restoration. I pray they would trust you and believe. For some, it's a faith step financially. For us as a church, we're at this place of a a faith step, of a commitment, of stepping forward. Lord, my prayer in this whole journey has been that just people would hear from you and that we would just trust you and do what you say. Lord, we thank you that we can rest in the security of what you've done in our lives. And from it, we find courage to what you're calling us to do. We can do that because of Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.
1: We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.